course, is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, nitpicky. I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? Yeah, as always, with my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. It doesn't matter what your name is. It ain't got a back dickle. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he doing? Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Maniacism. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land? My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Lacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer, and you are listening to episode 222, 222 of the Straight Shooters on a whole boatload of platforms, a whole bunch of platforms, a whole plethora, a variety of platforms, if you will. But before I get into those platforms, I remind you where you can find us on these here interwebs, Nick Pacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. As I referred to you earlier, how are you doing tonight, my good brother, on this brisk, cold Thursday evening here in Philadelphia? I am cold. Um, there you go. Did, did 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 you see any of those snow squalls yesterday? Were you were you involved in any of them? I saw a video. It was like a, uh, I guess, a time lapse of yeah. the Parkway. I've never heard right. of a snow squall until yesterday. I was yesterday <laughs> yesterday years old. Uh, as like I said, we were recording this on a Thursday evening, and we got hit. With, Philadelphia got hit on a Wednesday during the day, I should say, with what's what was called a snow squall. I, I never ever heard of that in my life, but I saw a time lapse of it, and it looked pretty weird. Like it was just like nice, clear, sunny day, and then the squall hit, and it was like. A whole different type of day. It was cloudy. It was gloomy. It was like that's that was it was a cool video. It was just, it was just weird. And I, I never heard of a squall, a snow squall. What the hell is that? The squall sounds like a WCW gimmick from two thousand. <laughs> it's but, the uh, squall. <laughs> Here comes but, squall and the yeti. It, <laughs> it wasn't just one snow squall for me. I was involved in four separate oh. snow squalls yesterday. So, um, like you, like it. I remember we probably had one when I when I was at work a, a year or two ago. Uh, just one, you know, like it's not commonplace here. Like you like you said, you know, we never really hear that term, and it hasn't happened around here. But yeah, man, I'll be damned blast. if I will. We've heard Arctic blast and nor'easter, yeah. but not a yeah. snowfall. That was right. So I'll be damned. I was involved in four different ones yesterday. Um, kind of cool like for the most part i was in a building for three of them and then i i was driving in one of them but um it wasn't as bad you know like people meteorologists say that snow squalls can limit visibility especially if you're like in the in the path of it so yeah you want if you're driving you kind of got to pull over but man i swear it it felt like it it did 
never felt like winter until yesterday here in the Philly area. So, and then it's going to be 70 degrees this weekend. So, what the hell's going on? Just about to say, don't get used to this winter feeling for too long because it's supposed to be like 70 degrees this weekend in January. That's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so global warming, maybe it exists. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But um, I just looked, looked up the definition of a squall. Uh, according to Google, a squall. For those who don't know, if you live in like you know somewhere else, it's a nice climate or California, Florida, whatever. Uh, you don't get squalls. You get other forms of weather that are severe, no doubt. But you don't probably don't get a squall too often. Maybe you do. I don't know. But a squall is a sudden, violent gust of wind or a localized storm, especially one bringing rain, snow, or sleet. And yeah, okay, that looked like what, what I saw on video yesterday. And I've never heard of that here in Philly at all. A snow squall. So, yeah, we survived it. Uh, the, the squall. squall, squall <laughs> the squall. <laughs> the squall. And they, that does sound like an old mid-90s WCW name for, like, a wrestler who's, like, weather-based. Like, a storm. Something like that. So they don't just call him Storm. No. We'll call him the squall. Could have named Earthquake that instead of Avalanche. She could have said the Squall. Yeah, Earthquake way better. <laughs> so it was Avalanche. Well, it was Typhoon, right? That well, yeah, Typhoon was Tugboat, right? So that was pretty badass. Oh, he's Avalanche in WCW, right? Yeah, Avalanche earthquake. was uh, Earthquake. Yeah, Earthquake was Avalanche in WCW, right? Right, right. Yeah. It was just like, okay, well, you were a weather-based natural disaster and WWE, well, we're just going to make you a different one. <laughs> yeah. And the, the best part about that, by the way, is because I just recently watched Halloween Havoc 94. That's when Avalanche made his debut in WCW. And you hear, it was like the beatdown of Hulk Hogan at the end of the show when Brutus the Barber Beefcake turned on him. And it was like Brother Brutai in WCW. And then you hear Tony Schmitty say, it's Sounds like it feels like an avalanche coming to the <laughs> ring, like, and you don't even see like him until you know the the camera angles were terrible back then. So you don't even see him until like five seconds later. But it just like a ran like why would Tony say that? Like you're just like it sounds like an avalanche coming to the ring. Like it's so random but hilarious at the same time. So that's how they went with avalanche for his name. And uh, man, I love talking about old school wrestling. That, well, it's old school to us, so it, the term old school I mean, fits here. It cracks me up. Us. Imagine how old school it is for people younger than us. Yeah, we old now. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, we are. You know, Attitude Era, Attitude Era was over 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and Great we're actually time. learning now how kind of bad the Attitude Era really was in terms of Ooh, not only wrestling, but storylines, too. But back then, you know, I just, we, we didn't have that adult mindset. So. It's just it's just good stuff back then. Good yeah. quality television. But uh, really we're going to continue to walk down memory lane on episode 222 because we're going to give our favorite Royal Rumble moments here on the show because it's January and we're getting closer and closer. We're only a couple weeks away from the 2020 Royal Rumble, which is I don't know what number that is in the line of annual shows. I think it might be the 31st or 32nd maybe. Yeah, sure. Let's see. It well, is what was it? Uh, 2017 was the 30th, right? Yeah. It's the 33rd yeah. annual War Rumble, which is like, wow. This is like the maybe the second or third longest running show WWE has going besides WrestleMania, at least from a continuous annual standpoint. Because uh, obviously WrestleMania is 
now going on to 36 years. This is now 33 for the Royal Rumble. So, yeah, we're going to give our some of our favorite memories of the Royal Rumble. Uh, you can you recall, we probably you know talked about these in the past on our VRI live commentaries, which you can find on patreon.com slash radio. We did live commentaries about uh, the 92 Royal Rumble. We did 97 Royal Rumble. And hell, we might do another Royal Rumble here in the near future, but Actually, they're just in the archives. They're not on the Patreon, right? I don't think those... Well, they are on the Patreon. There's some that are on the Patreon, and then... But especially the 92 Rumble and the 97, the classics are uh, back on our uh, archives, available to the masses. Fantastic stuff on there. You can find... You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, of course, or all your different podcast apps, including... Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and of course, the mothership, ShootersRadio.com. You can find all 221 prior episodes of The Straight Shooters. Like I said earlier, we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash ShootersRadio. We can subscribe to some exclusive content for the nominal fee of $1.99. Now, Nick, where Rumble's coming up, probably... My second favorite show, probably one of, actually one of my favorite shows of the year. I mean, WrestleMania is like the unofficial holiday for wrestling fans because you kind of have the understanding that something major is going to happen at WrestleMania. It doesn't always deliver. <laughs> um, I think last year is even a good example where it was, you know, one it was like one major thing, like Kofi Kingston winning the title and everything else was like, oh, that's pretty good. But where Rumble is like. Probably my second favorite show of the year. I know SummerSlam is like the number two show to WWE, but I think for I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. Royal Rumble is pretty much number two. Even my girlfriend likes the Royal Rumble. She doesn't really watch wrestling, but if she knows the Royal Rumble's coming up, she's like, "Oh, I like that" because it's like I think it's for her and for us, you know, diehard fans. It's that air of unpredictability that goes into the thirty man or thirty woman match. Well, you probably know most of the participants, but you don't know all of them, and you don't know which order they're going to come into, come into the ring. And, of course, the winner gets a title shot at WrestleMania. Uh, they don't get the main event. It's not guaranteed to be the main event, because we know that now, over the years, you know, they probably opened the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anything. And they probably won't win the title neither. You know, it's, it's the, the, the WrestleMania part of it's kind of lost its luster, but the match itself is still significant. And you know that this is where they're setting the stage for WrestleMania too, as well. Not just for the title shots that come out of it, but also other little different rivalries that might happen within the match or throughout the show. So for me, uh, the Royal Rumble always a lot of fun. Well, not I can't let me let me walk that back a second. <laughs> <laughs> not always a lot of fun to watch, but it's always fun to go going into because you just don't know what's going to happen. Is there's always a and like I said, an air of excitement and unpredictability going in because it's, it's a really unique event and you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I I think a lot of my favorite matches in general, Rumble matches, are from the early 90s. Uh, you know, growing up watching that type of match where it was a lot more predictable in a way, but it seemed better laid out in, in ways where you can follow it closely. There weren't 
missed camera angles, the commentators. I mean, basically, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan for the first uh, in, in the early 90s. That was like my soundtrack for, for those matches. Um, absolutely incredible to hear them and hear them explain, help me along as a kid at watching and, and telling me what's going on. So I make sure I understand what's going on. And uh, I feel like with the addition of the women's rumble, it kind of doubles my excitement because you would think, you know, okay, adding a second rumble match to to that might uh, dilute it a little bit, but to me, it doubles my excitement. And I think they've done a good job the last two years with the women's rumble match, uh, both of them. And now the third one's coming up this year. And I'm just as excited as I was before the first one. And I'm looking forward to the men's too, but there's still that unpredictability. You can make, you know, the obvious choices to who to guess, you know, put your prediction out there as who's going to win, but it still like, and even though it's kind of been predictable the last few years, it's still fun to see. And, and the matches have been pretty good the last couple of years, all the men's and the women's, you know, there, there's not a lot to, to take and critique it the way we could have, you know, 10 years ago where those rumble matches were not very good at all. Just five years ago was bad. Oh man. <laughs> five years ago was trash. I, I'm so glad in 2018 they had the Rumble back in Philly to kind of watch the taste out of our mouths from the 2015 Rumble. I'm 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 grateful for that. Um, I just want to kind of forget that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I remember being. I think I think this is the case where I was kind of like against having the women's Rumble because I didn't want the the match to be like you have two of it on the same show and it's like. It kind of loses loses its luster, but I think, like you said, two years in now, now this is year three actually, it's worked. It it's worked perfectly fine. I was I was wrong back then, and I'm glad I was wrong because the two years of the women's rumble has been pretty good. Uh, they haven't really they haven't there's no misses yet. You know, it's only been two. Plenty of misses on the men's side, obviously, um, throughout the years. But again, it's always a fun show going in. Predict unpredictability, uh, and years past, we've gotten some major returns or legends. Uh, with the amount of people they have on a roster today, from you know Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, they don't really need to do that type of stuff. And even if they did feel the need to do it, who in the world would they get to do it today that would actually like make an you know an impact, so to speak? Because getting to pull out DDP anymore, he's an AEW. Uh, so is Jericho. Uh, so who you get Godfather? You get D'Lo Brown, like Mark Henry, like I mean, Mark Henry. I think uh, out of the three you just listed, would probably be like the coolest one for me. I would love to see him back and like a rumble and just see him kind of dominate for a little bit and get tossed out. Maybe come back for a match at WrestleMania, just just to have that. But I know like he's retired, but it would be cool. You know, wrestlers don't always stay retired, so they could come back for one match. And we've seen that clearly over the years. So, um, you know, it's funny. We talk about last year's women's match and I thought the ending was kind of convoluted the way Becky Lynch got in the match and all that they they could have done better, but it's like the right decision. You know, at the end of the night, it was the right decision to have her win the, the women's rumble. And then 
you know, she went through her own storyline progression on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, there, I, what'd you have? You had, you had Nia Jackson, the men's rumble too, uh, last year. So that was kind of neat, you know, something that wasn't expected. Uh, that's the, what was it? She was, was she 30? I think she was, was she 30? I don't even remember. Well, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember she not, she like, attack somebody on the way to the ring. So, and it was, I thought it was a cool setup. You know, they were a chase field. They didn't have that huge grand stage. They had them coming up from the dugout. I dug that. I wonder how it's going to look like in Minute Maid Park in Houston. Like I'm kind of intrigued about that have too. You come off the train. Did they have any outfield? That would be amazing. It would just <laughs> be amazing. I would love that. So the little quirks here and there that I, I will really enjoy uh i know a lot of people didn't like it because they didn't have the big stage last year yeah, uh, didn't made it seem less important to them i was like no it's the royal rumble man like <laughs> i don't think it matters what and anyway even if you did have the stage there okay i get it the spectacle but then you have so many people behind the entrance like I think it makes it even look cooler than if it, if there was a big stage there. So now that they're doing, you know, this is the second time the Rumble has been in a baseball park, and then uh, in 2017 they had it in the Alamo Dome. So the last few, you know, they're in the big Phillies, really the only one that's been small, uh, you know, in the small arena compared to Alamo Dome and Chase Field in January. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think that's kind of taken me in a little bit the last couple of years and uh it's gonna it makes me look forward to it more than uh maybe like a casual fan so nick with that said let's get into some memories from the, the further in the past so talking about last year let's go uh, deeper let's go way back back in the time so to speak let's do it what is your some of your favorite world Rumble moments in history so i have I'm going to start off with two from the okay. same Royal Rumble. All my right. first Royal Rumble that I've ever I ever watched live. Now, remember, I've said on this podcast before, my first pay-per-view was SummerSlam 90, SummerSlam 90, and then I watched WrestleMania 6 after that. So, technically, WrestleMania 6 was the first one in, in the lineage of, of, you know, the chronological order. Uh but I saw SummerSlam 90 before I saw WrestleMania 6. So Royal Rumble 91 was my first Royal Rumble that I watched. And seeing the Ultimate Warrior lose to Sergeant Slaughter. And then I didn't understand, you know, the whole U.S.-Iraqi thing, the Iraqi sympathizer and Macho Man's gripe with Ultimate Warrior. I was like, why is Macho Man so, like, angry with the Ultimate Warrior? Because he won't give him a title shot. Like, I never, I didn't understand this thing. And then Macho Man cost the Ultimate Warrior his title. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, why didn't the referee disqualify Macho Man? You know, I'm sitting here, and it's 91, I'm five years old, and I'm asking myself all these questions. And, you know, my parents weren't into the product, so that it wasn't like they could explain things to me as if I asked them a question. You know, I kind of... I left it up to the commentators to explain to me what the heck was going on. So just ultimate warrior losing the title to Sergeant Slaughter etched in my head. Great match. Even if though it wasn't like a great technical match, but the heat was off the charts. You had Sherry come down, ultimate warrior chase her to the back. Macho man, uh, 
uh, attack Ultimate Warrior in the in the aisle way, beat him up, run back to the you know backstage. Warrior crawling back to the ring, and then Macho Man coming back out with Sherry. Ultimate Warrior throwing Sherry on Macho Man. Sergeant Slaughter kicking the warrior from behind. Like, I can go through this in my head, which is hard for me to do in recent wrestling because there's so much and it's hard to really remember spot from spot from spot. But I can remember this match, like, clearly. And then you have Macho Man hit the Ultimate Warrior in the face with the scepter and everything. And I was just, it was the first time I saw my favorite wrestler lose. You know, this was before Hulk Hogan was my favorite wrestler because I was a front runner back then, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever, whoever was champion and a good guy was my guy. So, you know, first time I, I, I had him lose and I wasn't like emotionally attached to these things. Like I, I didn't cry about it, but I was like, man, that really sucks. Like what the hell? And in the same, I think this happened after that match when you had Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes team up to, to face Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And that's when Virgil finally turned on Ted DiBiase. So I had, you know, they showed vignettes of Virgil uh, doing all these things for Ted DiBiase through the years. And then finally it just had enough. And by the end of the match, DiBiase was berating him on the microphone, despite them winning the match. And then Virgil just clocks him with the million dollar belt. So those two, instances and the rumble match wasn't bad at all the rumble match is pretty good hulk hogan wound up winning that one but like those two things and i i watched the 1991 royal rumble every year now before the rumble that's that's one one of the handful that i absolutely have to watch you know around this time of year and you know 2020 i'm still doing that so that could just tell you how that just that pay-per-view affected me you know, almost 30 years later. You know, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned in such great detail the 91 Royal Rumble because, like, it's so vivid in your mind because, like, we were just talking about the last Royal Rumble, 2019, and we could barely remember what happened. But, like, uh, yeah. that 91 match, you can remember, like, move for move. Yeah. It's just like, I, don't, I guess when you're a kid, it's just more... Yeah, you know, and fun. I... You know, I watched it a lot because uh, there was only TV once a week, only pay-per-views four times a year. So, like, I had it on tape, so I would watch it constantly. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, I don't re-watch, you know, so many pay-per-views nowadays because, one, they're too long. And, two, uh, I just have too much to do as an adult, you know, like as a kid. You know, your parents just kind of want you to not screw crap up. So, you know, if I'm sitting there and the TV's not being used, I'll watch a two and a half hour to three hour pay per view on video cassette to, you know, let, spend my time. And uh, that's kind of why it's so vivid because I watched it so much. Um, but it also, like, it's great pro wrestling, in my opinion, because, you know, that's. It, it made everything made sense. You know, the psychology behind everything made sense. Even as an adult, you know, you watch these things back and you're like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. When, you know, as a kid, you're just like, okay, whatever we take, what they give us, you don't really question anything uh, as much as you would, if you were an adult with, with logic and everything. Uh, and even in the Royal rumble, you know, the 91 match itself, that Hogan one, you know, there were, there were so many, 
uh, type of spot. Shane Douglas was in there. I remember that. Like, why do I remember that Shane Douglas was in there? He wasn't in the '91 Rumble. Yeah, he he was like a he was on TV for a little bit. He wasn't in WWF for long. And the next time I remember seeing him was like on WCW. Uh, he was part of the Dynamic Dudes, right? Or was that am I am I messing that up? He was part of a tag team. Yeah, well, yeah, Dynamic Dudes. It was him and um, G- John Laurinaitis. Was it? It was Laurinaitis in WCW. Yeah. After, yeah. So you know, that's where I remember. And then I remember it was Big Johnny from. Remember he's general manager, Big Johnny. No, I know John Laurinaitis. Well, that's the same guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Big Johnny. That 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 was his nickname, Big Johnny. What? That's what they called him when he was the GM. But no, it was Johnny Ace. That's what his nickname. That's what his name was as a wrestler, Johnny Ace. I knew it was something. Okay. Yeah. 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 John Laurinaitis. Yeah, that's because I remember seeing Shane Douglas on WCW, and I'm like, he looks familiar. And I never remembered like why he looked familiar until I watched like the 91 Rumble again after that, and I was like, holy crap, like that's Shane Douglas. And then he went to ECW and stuff like that. So little things like that. Bushwhacker, Luke getting tossed out in like a second by Earthquake. Like that's the stuff I remember. So um, definitely 91 Rumble had a lot of moments that I I really enjoyed. hell of an opener tag match i think it was the rockers versus the orient express and you know wwf had those opener tag matches for those types of pay-per-views a lot and they did it in 92 they did it they probably did it in 90 i i didn't watch 90 all the way through um you know they they did it in 93 so that's that was their formula i guess for the royal rumble back then and that's etched in my brain and it's a great match so it just goes to show, you know, how great these pay-per-views really used to be. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true because, like I said, it's so indelibly etched in our minds. Like, mm-hmm. 92 or Rumble is going to be the first thing I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And obviously the whole show was, or the whole match, I should say, was from beginning to end fantastic. Uh, but overall... One of my favorite things about that show and just the Royal Rumble in general was Bobby Heenan's performance throughout yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He was incredible, and he was really one of the parts that made that match so good. It wasn't just the action in the ring. It's his, I guess you call it, emotional roller coaster of, is this fair for Flair? Is, you know, is this guy going to win? Oh, no, he's out of number three. Oh, no. And then take a break, Rick, take a break, you know, yeah. relax, take a break. What Thanking wrestlers for helping him and then turning on them. Like when they right. hit flair, like that was He's great. Like, oh, it's not a skirt. It's a kilt. <laughs> oh, it's not a skirt. It's a kilt. And then he goes, why you little, it's a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> his brain. That's great. Made it. He made it like, it was already really good. Mm-hmm. But his commentary really put it over the top, added to the drama of the match because, it was dramatic. I mean, this was this wasn't just a match anymore for mm-hmm. WWE in the storyline. This was for the WWE Championship, and the, and the next year they made it for the WrestleMania main event. But this was like the highest stakes battle royal ever, almost. So yeah. it was it was a big deal in storyline, just as it was. Then you got the the clearly biased commentator, <laughs> <laughs> desperately hoping his guy. Somehow wins from the number three spot, which had never happened to that point. Was you know spots one through five had never won. Here comes Flair, is the first guy out 
after the initial, you know, first two, mm-hmm. and Bobby Heenan, you know, I'm soaking wet. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating so much. <laughs> Going through it and and you know, Gorilla Monsoon, you know, egging him on and you know, poking him yeah. pride and stuff like that. I mean, he, Bobby Heenan, that was. I don't know if there was a better call of one match from an announcer than that. Like you probably find like some Jim Ross stuff, especially when he was in NWA and in WWE as well. Don't get me wrong, but Jim Ross or like, you know, somebody like that. But man, Bobby Heenan was on top of his game that day. And they played off each other so well. And you mentioned like when Flair came out number three and you could, you can even hear the emotion in Gorilla Monsoon's voice that he's kind of like laughing at Bobby Heenan, you know, like you could tell he's kind of like joking with him and like, Oh, your, your guy doesn't stand a chance now. Heenan and stuff like that. And that just adds to it. You know, he, and yes, obviously Heenan was great. uh, Absolutely fantastic. And by the way, when we live commentated this on our show, we included the audio of the match. So, you know, you could hear us talk about the match while you hear a gorilla monsoon and Bobby Heenan too. So we, we did it before it was cool. Uh, you yeah. know, I'll, I will tweet out a link to that too. Uh, a few times uh, we have it on our, in our, in our archives. So I will I know, I'll put it on Facebook. I'll put it on Twitter. Um, just so, you know, if you haven't heard it, you can listen to it back and it's just fantastic. I think we started when, you know, Howard Finkel is making the, announcements and, and everything like that so and, and we have rick flair's promo after he wins you know we mm-hmm. include that in the podcast too so i will tweet that out but it was just fantastic and we had such a good time commentating that like a couple of years ago you know it, it just felt it was like one of my favorite episodes that we've done just you know we were in the studio and we were watching it on the ipad we had the audio going and um brian isley was with us the third man and it was just awesome, and that's another another rumble that I watch every year, all the way through. You know, you talk about the match to begin with, probably the best rumble match to date. It is still to this day, in my opinion. Even the card, you know, they had uh, the New Foundation versus the Orient Express to open up the card again. Another tag team match, uh, LOD versus the Natural Disasters for the tag team titles, and uh, Roddy Piper winning his first singles title intercontinental champion from the Mountie, um, you know, that stuff is memorable and, uh, absolutely, uh, probably my, my favorite rumble show and 91, 91 and 92 are definitely one and two for me. And you could intermittently switch them here and there, but 92, definitely the best rumble match ever, but, uh, you nailed it. It was to this date, 2020, the best rumble match and i don't know if they can really come close i don't know what they can do to come close to that and i really think it's really about the drama involved obviously there's high stakes in every war rumble but like i said heenan i think heenan really made that unless you can find something like that that can add to that element of drama and that just that that desperation that was in his voice and the the sense of urgency like it had to happen that night. This is this is this is it, and I don't know if you'll ever be able to repeat that. That's just like uh, lightning in a bottle. It's just something you just won't see again. So no, it's not even as easy as oh, just putting the title on the line. Right, we saw, saw that again with Roman Reigns, and it just was not nearly the same. It wasn't the same, and it just 
you can't replicate that. Like the action in the ring might be better, the eliminations might be more spectacular, but I think that extra drama added with Heenan is what really put it over the top, and that can't be done again. There's no other Bobby Heenan's. There would never be another Bobby Heenan. So that might stand the test of time. As I mean, it's already has. We're right. <laughs> now like almost thirty years later, and we're still like, yeah, that's that's the best. Yeah, but it might go well beyond this because I just don't see how WWE could do it, especially when they don't do a good job anymore of really selling the drama, the aspect of a lot of the stories, but especially in the Rumble now. It's it's not, you know, it's not quite the same as it used to be. But another Rumble that we commentated on this show, which we had a lot of fun watching, was 97 Rumble. And that's... <laughs> Just for the sheer hilarity, that's one of my favorite Rumble moments. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, just for the the outrageousness of that match, where you have uh, you have the Luchadors coming there. You got uh, man, who was it? It was um, Mel Maskers. Mel Maskers coming in there, eliminating himself. <laughs> you got, I think, did Ahmed Johnson eliminate himself too? Yeah, yeah. Two it... people in one match eliminated themselves. And then Ahmed Johnson comes back with a two by four. Just ridiculous stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, eliminate Wolf. Farouk, who goes over the top rope uh, without even like being pushed. He right. was hit by a two by four, so weird in a weird angle, and he had to like force himself over the rope. And we see that a lot, but that was just kind of cartoony. It was just it was a, such a bizarre, bizarre match, and it had a halt like the. One of the greatest of all time win it, but it was just a weird man. <laughs> so many things. You had fake Razor and fake Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> just what in the hell is going on in this match? Just it yeah. was just it was just too much. It was just they, too much. I love the ending. You know, I, I've come around on the ending. I didn't like it at first just because I thought it was stupid. But you know, as I got older, I was like, you know what? That's actually like a good way to, you know, protect people and then kind of move with story. I thought the story was hot at the time with Brett and Austin. And then you kind of maneuvered it into the double turn later on at WrestleMania. But I, I enjoyed the ending, but I, and I remember going into when we were going to live commentate it. And I remember being really excited going into it. And then we watched it. And then for like 40 minutes, I was just like, man, this is, this sucks. Like this, yeah. match, <laughs> this match actually sucks. It definitely wasn't as good as I thought it was. Um, you know, or excited to think it was going to be watching it again for the first time in years. And, uh, but the, the ending really kind of made it for me. Uh, but everything else was just pure forgettable. It's trash, big trash. Um, especially with so many, so many of the guys that I didn't know from like AAA. And I remember they said they were going to have them, but there were like a lot of guys where me, you and Brian were just like, what the hell? We didn't remember this dude was in here or something like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely does not withhold the test of time. No, that would not, no, that would not stand the test of time. It's already ran past its expiration date (laughs) uh, now. So it would not, no, no, that, that has not held up well. Over what's that now? Twenty three years since that match, mm-hmm. which is also crazy to think about. Twenty three years ago, nineteen ninety seven. But here we are. Um, How about two years before that? Oh, okay. Well, we have the nineteen ninety five Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. and we had the two things that stand out. Obviously, Shawn Michaels 
won the Royal Rumble as number one. Obviously. But it was also a, a half hour long Rumble match because everybody oh, came I... in like one minute apart. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was like exactly. 35 minutes total. So, yeah, that was that's, not a great Rumble match. That's crazy to think about. It was only like right. a 40-minute like a match. That's right. wild. And you also had the Bam Bam Bigelow shove an LT that set up the oh, WrestleMania yeah. match. So uh, that's what I remember the most about 95. And um, I remember thinking, that wow, this is like really awesome. Shawn Michaels is number one, and then he won. But then you have like such a stacked undercard. It's one of the shortest Rumble matches ever because you had 60 seconds apart. And I know, I, I think Bruce Pritchard said on his podcast, they were trying different things and they went from different intervals and they said they settled on 60 seconds for that one. But it was just like way too much, you know. So yeah. I think I think there was even somebody that missed their entrance, maybe. Huh. Uh, so well, He called it Titan time where they were like, maybe go a little <laughs> bit longer than 60 seconds, maybe a little right, bit Right, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. like a precise... True. Every two minutes or every six, like it was like they called it Titan Time, where it was just like budget a little bit and they hit the countdown clock and it's like, oh, here comes another guy. Like, yeah, yeah, so they were they were messing around with that a little bit. Yeah, and then then you had Razor Ramon lose the Intercontinental title to Jeff Jarrett, which I was like kind of surprised at because I didn't think much of Jarrett back then uh, and loved Razor Ramon. So. You didn't like J E double F J A double R E double T. Surprisingly, I did not. Surprisingly, no. I did like the roadie. The roadie cracked me up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that and it was in the Tacoma Dome in in uh, Florida, and they had the like the Hawaii the beach theme going on. Pamela Anderson there. You know, they started off '95 with with big goals, and they ended '95 uh, not probably lesser goals for 1996, but. Uh, these 90 Royal Rumbles are really etched in in my mind just because of the fact that I was a kid. But a lot of them, there, there's so many more memorable moments for, for these matches than there have been recently. So I think that's all also has a lot to do with it. That's true because as good as like the last couple of years have been as far as the, the, the matches, but where are the moments at? Oh. Like that stick out. Like I can remember 2002 when Maven eliminated Undertaker. Yeah. And now I was like, whoa, he eliminated the Undertaker. Wow. And the Undertaker whooped his ass from here till next <laughs> week. But it was great though. And like, yeah. Uh, Scotty Zuhadi came to the ring. He's all dancing. Undertaker punched him in the face. Like it was great. But like, I remember that. That's one of the I, great moments in, in World Rumble history, honestly. Like when they talk about the big moments or like when they go through the like by the numbers type of thing or whatever. Yeah. They always show that because it was such a big moment. But last couple of years, it's like the biggest moments that they have is like Kofi Kingston. What crazy thing does he come up with to avoid elimination? And even that's, I mean, even that's kind of on its course. But, yeah. you know, that's like the big moments, so to speak. You don't really see that no more. Like you said, back in the day, it seemed like there's every year there was something that stuck out. Like, so that like 98, where you had. Mick Foley come out three times to three different people. It's crazy stuff. And you had the bounty on Austin, and when his music hit, everyone stopped fighting in the ring and looked towards the entrance, and he comes from behind and eliminates Mark Merrow, like, right away, you know? Like, that is memorable. And yes, that was the start of, well, not the start, but that was part of the push for Austin, that mania, but still a huge moment. 
you know, it, it could have been anyone in that position, but just the fact that everyone stopped in the ring and was looking at the entrance and that whole dynamic and they like he kind of escaped a huge beatdown and then everyone was like oh well you know let's just start, go back to fighting each other you know that type of thing and it's funny because it, it kind of made sense it's like okay like screw austin and i'll worry about myself type of thing so that's what and the 98 rumble just just i know we're talking about mainly rumble matches, but then you had Kane turn on the Undertaker again and set the casket on fire. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting I'm sitting here going to school the next day writing in my journal uh for like uh, English class. Uh, like what did you do this weekend? And I'm sitting there I'm like I watched Kane set the Undertaker's coffin on fire. And you know we talk about Nicholas and his uh journal injuries. <laughs> Quite so, disturbing. I have a great story aside for this. A few a few weeks later, you remember Kane was in the ring and he was he set that cameraman on fire. <laughs> yes, the... the best. <laughs> no, look, I know I grab on like Bray Wyatt for having powers <laughs> yeah. and like some of the stuff is goofy, but I don't know why that like killed me. He just set men on fire in the in the, in the arena. This poor innocent guy. <laughs> he was, all he was doing. It, all he was doing was trying to, yeah, yeah. He was just trying to like videotape you, man. Come on, like what's wrong with him? He's and wife and kids and trying to do his job. Set <laughs> yeah. him on fire. And the the funniest thing is, and, and it was that it was after that raw. It had to be that week, uh, either the day after or like a Wednesday or something. I I distinctly remember this. I was in. So it was 98, right? The beginning of 98. So I was in seventh grade. And in my journal, I wrote, I watched Kane set another person on fire on Monday Night Raw. And because, you know, you know, I forget like what, what we were writing about in our journal, you know, what topic or whatever. But I always tried to instill like a wrestling thing just because it was what I related to it was my favorite thing in the world and wrestling and baseball. I think that was my life when I was that young you know wrestling and baseball so it was easier just to write about wrestling because it was more imaginatory and like i would i would write more if i talked about wrestling than i would if i talked about baseball so the teacher after i explained you know after i told the class about kane setting a cameraman on fire she was asking me questions like uh, where did the lightning strike come from? You know, because she obviously um, thinking special effects or something, and I'm like, mm. no, it came right from his fingertip. Like, <laughs> Kane's got magical powers, and he—that's basically it. Yeah, he killed his brother, set him on fire, and he—if yep. his brother had any powers, Kane now has them. And uh, just—and it's so funny looking back because it's seventh grade, and like seventh graders today, they're they're kind of up to stuff on BS like that. Like they, they know crap like that's not real, but me, I was lost in the imagination, man. I was, I suspended my disbelief for, for a long, long time. And I told the whole class about Caden setting a cameraman on fire. So uh, one of the highlights of my seventh grade year. That is too, Miss Picone, uh, <laughs> you have to talk about Nicholas's journal entries. Who is Kane? And why, why is, is everyone on fire? <laughs> I don't think you should let him watch wrestling anymore. I'd like tune into the USA Network Monday nights at nine o'clock. 
<laughs> right. I don't know what's going on in the wrestling, but uh, people, are, this, somebody's committing arson every week, apparently. <laughs> well, my uh, my teachers always called me a storyteller. Uh, I remember in, in 1993, I wrote a journal entry about me going to Toronto for the Phillies World uh, World Series game against the Blue Jays. Yeah, so no, full well they definitely, Yeah, they definitely caught on to me early. <laughs> yeah. I was there. I was like, yep, just last night we were in Toronto. <laughs> yep. Came back for school. Yeah. It's like it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, it, it really like it legitimately happened and they were they were careful not to call me a liar, but they would tell my parents, your son has quite an imagination and my parents would tell me that. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized just exactly what they were saying. <laughs> Lying ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's funny. You mentioned Toronto. I remember I was in college and me and my friends were having some adult beverages. And my friend is like, hey, dude, let's go to Toronto tonight. I was like, <laughs> and everybody sat down and was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What time are we going to be able to go to class Monday? Like, we need to, like, no, like, I was, like, really considering it, but obviously we didn't go because it's a ridiculous <laughs> plan to just drive to Toronto with no passports, nothing like that. We just go. Just not how this works. And as far, it's like a 10 hour drive oh, up man. there. So, yeah, that wasn't going to fly, but, you know, <laughs> you, you always have dreams and hopes and stuff like that. So you never know. Yeah. Um, I mentioned 2002 a second ago as far as. Uh, like Maven and The Undertaker and, and that rumble. But how about 2002 being really the first year that the surprise returns really kind of like became a thing? Because before, that, you, you might have a person, you don't really have people from the past kind of showing up. Because WWE wasn't really using the older guys and the Attitude Era. And right. even in their, you know, into the 90s, they wasn't really doing that. It was using whoever they had on the roster. Uh, it, like the '97 Rumble was like the first time you saw people who weren't on the roster regularly in the match. That's because you use, you know, like you said, AAA. But in 2002, out comes the Godfather, out comes Gold Dust for the first time in a while, and out came Mr. Perfect, which was awesome. Like seeing yep, Mr. Perfect back in yep. in the WWE ring, uh, was awesome and. From then on, and that whole night was cool because it's like even back then, people like Goldust and Godfather represented nostalgia. It's 2002, but WWE was like, hmm, we just had Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania seven, at WrestleMania 18, or they're going to do that. I should say this that was to come, but it was like the Royal Rumble and then Hogan, and it was like, huh, nostalgia sells, and then for years straight after that. They would throw in a Roddy Piper or Jimmy Snuka or somebody like that. Those legendary returns for that one night, that one off, and they come out. Or, and they still do this to a certain extent, is have a guy who hasn't been around in a while because they're hurt or they just, you know, for you know X Y Z reasons, and they come out then. Which again, that really kind of started, you know, from what I remember at least, in like 2002. You didn't really see it. A whole lot before that so that's what i remember is but that one night though it was awesome but like i said there are others who have happened since then like dd like ddp seems like he showed up like four years in a row booker t 
and Kevin Nash in 2011 or Jericho in 2013 when he returned or another one that I can get to was John Cena in 2008, which was, oh man, that was crazy. Incredible. No one thought he would be there because he had, I think he had tore his peck, something like that. Yep. And it was only like three months before the show, which is like crazy. Like people, you you know, you watch, if you watch football today, you see JJ Watt, he's coming back. He just came back after turning, I think, tearing his peck uh, like four months ago. Not even four months ago. It was like a three-month-old injury that he had. He had it like since the beginning of the season. It's now January. So it was about four months ago, I, I should say, uh, when he, I believe he tore his peck. I might be wrong. Let me double-check that. But he's back now after like four months. And people are like, ooh, we don't know. He might be coming back early. And, you know, J.J. Watt hasn't, he's looked good so far in that one playoff game. But it's like people are questioning whether, he should have come back this soon. Here comes John Cena, and sure, it's not football. It's not like a, it's definitely a more controlled environment. But here comes John Cena, pretty much three months after he got hurt, and he looks perfectly fine. And it's like, what in the hell? Like, at least Wise got the brace and all that. Like he's, you know, yeah. he's taking precautions. Yeah. Cena was out there with no brace, no nothing, <laughs> crazy stuff. And then I think the- he was like even pointing at the scar he had, oh, yeah. but from like the surgery, he would like point at it. It was like a badge of honor. Yeah, because like I, I'm, I'm a freak of nature, and I can come back from crazy things. He, like he must have felt good as hell because that was MSG, and those are, you know, the the same type of crowd that booed the crap out of him, and now they're like happy he's there because it's a surprise. You know, they don't care about. Oh wait, I'm supposed to hate that guy. It's John Cena who just tore his pec th- two months ago, and he's back. So, you know, that element definitely gets even the worst of the fans who just boo to boo to be like, holy crap, this is awesome. And they just cheer for it. And they were loud. They were loud. Yeah. And yeah. everybody in the ring kind of stopped. And he came out at number yep. 30. That was huge. And it was just, it was just a, yeah, it was a big deal. Do you want to know a big return in 2001 Royal Rumble? Haku? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only. How, one, how, do you do, how do you get that? Because I remember that that's like the only one that was like, <laughs> oh, it's like a legend. Like, damn it! <laughs> again, they didn't happen that often before that, so you can. I could probably yeah. remember all of them, but 2002 is when it really kicked into high gear, in my opinion. But 2001, yeah, Haku came back. I remember that. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> that was the one. That was the Drew Carey year too, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. He eliminated himself. <laughs> Which made sense, you know, made sense. Yeah. He didn't want to be get beat up by Kane or something, right? So eliminated himself. Kane should have set him on fire. That would have taught yeah, him something. Why not? Set the other guy on fire. Didn't even know who he was. It was it'll... also the year that Kane eliminated eleven people, which is a record that stood until twenty fourteen when Roman Reigns broke it. Yeah. Twenty fourteen when he broke it. Yeah. Uh, so that was here. Everyone started cheering for him to win because they knew Batista was going to win. <laughs> yeah. Has that record uh, stood still? The elimination? I mean, I think so, but uh, maybe Braun Strowman has it now or something. I don't know. Let's see. Let's Brock Lesnar. Yeah, Strowman got it at the technically. Oh man, they counted the Greatest Royal Rumble as a Royal Rumble. Oh boy. So technically, Braun Strowman did it at the Greatest Royal Rumble. He had 13. Roman Reigns had 12 in 2014. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't even count as a Royal Rumble. Why would you have Strowman over Reigns in the record books anyway? 
if you're not going to do anything with Strowman. Like, they're clearly not doing anything. It did, it's not about that. It's about making that particular match have meaning. Uh, it doesn't the record. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we're not counting. We're not counting the uh, greatest Royal Rumble on this. So, right. unless, <laughs> unless yeah, yeah, I think we both we yep. want to talk about Titus O'Neil. <laughs> I can do it. Falling under the ring. <laughs> One of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> of your life. <laughs> and a moment I'll never forget. When even the announcers couldn't even like hold it together, I don't blame them. Like they were dying laughing. This man went all the way under the ring, feet only his like calves was un- from under the ring. It was unbelievable. Thank goodness for his sake, the LED ring apron boards were not in play that night because. It would not have been good for him if, because he tripped fairly close to the ring, and he went like you said, full fledged under the ring. <laughs> how, how would he have hit the LED boards, man? He either, I mean, best case scenario, he would have been concussed. Yeah, like, yeah, pretty like, injured pretty even bad. Even if he got, even if he got like his arm up in time, he definitely would have taken that. Oh yeah, like badly, he would have been hurt. Mm. He, no way around it. That's why I don't understand, like, why they have the... I mean, I get it for the TV production, but that's stupid. Like, if you're thinking about safety and people are running to the ring, if they trip, it's over, dude. Like, well, maybe that's get, the get, it, get it, it off of that. Maybe that's what? Oh, it, it wasn't there that night. Maybe because they didn't take him to Saudi Arabia, but... Nah, can you, can you repeat that? Because you just uh, froze. Said, I didn't hear you. Maybe that's why they didn't take him, or maybe they, they didn't take him to Saudi Arabia, I guess. Yeah, but I don't think they had him fully at that time, did they? No, it was 2018, something like that, so yeah, they had him. Oh, crap, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah but they never seem to have them overseas anyway. Like, when they go right. to the UK for Raw, like, they never have them. Right. Uh, or SmackDown, but, yeah, it's just it's just weird. Like, imagine, if somebody trips... Man. Imagine if he has tripped, like, a couple inches... Further down the line, he could have hit his head on like the, the oh, hardest part of the yeah. ring. <laughs> As they say, you know, the edge of the ring that would have been really bad. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. for him, thank goodness, um, it leaves us with something to laugh about forever because that's, you know, they'll probably play that in those uh, video packages uh, by the numbers. They probably will. One oh, person has fallen under the ring. And under stuff the like ring. That. Yeah. Under the ring. If they're going to include the greatest Royal Rumble in those video packages, well, I mean, unless you, I mean, Wikipedia counts it. And when I said they, I meant Wikipedia. So maybe WWE does not, but I get it. I guess because their name Royal Rumble, like I, I get it, but still stupid. Stupid. But um, one last uh, moment here that I'll mention real quick before I let you take over with another moment, moment potentially. Uh, 2016, when the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, debuted. Yeah, that we was... didn't even see him because the camera work was great. Yeah, that was bad. But <laughs> that was huge. I mean, you look back at it now, even now four years later, and AJ Styles is a fixture on WWE TV. He's entrenched. He's ingrained. Like, it's not a... um, The novelty is, you know, obviously one-off of him being in WWE, but... 
you look back at that, it's almost like a like a capsule, like a time capsule of a different world that wrestling was in 2016, where you know it was like before that it was like everybody was like kind of on a separate plane. It's like okay, you had New Japan, they had their guys, WWE had their guys, Ring of Honor had their guys, and there would never really you never really saw them really cross over, but yet you know. AJ Styles comes to WWE. It's like, whoa, like AJ Styles and WWE. Like, this is at this point, it was still bizarre to see guys like AJ Styles and WWE. And then eventually, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and Shinsuke Nakamura. It was like, this is crazy. They're in WWE. They're in a WWE ring. And it was like, whoa. And then, of course, later on down the line, it was like, wow, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Those are Ring of Honor or Evolve guys. And they're in WWE. And, and then you get, um, you know, all these different guys that, you know, you wouldn't even, couldn't even picture on the main roster, like Samoa Joe and yeah. Kevin Owens. All those guys were, I mean, Kevin Owens is already on the main roster at that point, but it's like, the the newness to the, now you're not really as surprised. Now Ricochet is in WWE now. Like, yeah, Finn Balor. Unfathomable back in 2016, but it really got kicked off when, and Joe was already in NXT by this point, but it really got kicked off to me when AJ got there and he's walking down to a WWE ring, and it's like this is this is nuts. This is like a whole new world now, where AJ Styles is in WWE. Like that was a huge deal for that for that moment. And especially the fact that I think we didn't know at that point if he was just there for the match. And I think he gave like an interview backstage after. And it was on their YouTube channel where he said he signed like a multi-year contract or something. So then everyone's like, oh, he's here to stay. You know what? It wasn't just a one-off. It, he's definitely here. And then, you know, like you said, Gallows and Anderson came in and Nakamura at sa- same time, really. But, you know, it was it wasn't confirmed, confirmed. And then it's like, OK, like this is actually happening. And, you know, seeing AJ Styles in such a prominent position right away, you know, you could argue if the independent talent that thought they were just as good as AJ or if not better, they're like, wow, like I could be in that position if not higher. So why wouldn't I sign with WWE? It wasn't something that even if they like they had NXT, but at that time, while we still thought of it, I think, I think maybe that was the time where we started changing our opinion of it as a big developmental brand. Oh yeah, yeah. As more of like, oh, they're bringing in established talent. Like I said, so it's not already there. Yeah, and but the, I'm talking about like, yeah, and he was already there. Kev, Kevin Owens there, but and he was already on the main roster by that time. But I don't know. I, it was a shift where more like I just feel like they were they were hiring more talent to it just nxt instead of like hiring them and then like putting them in nxt after trying to decide what to do it was like no like this hire is strictly for nxt and we we started seeing that more and i think that's when you know at least i was just like oh they're not developmental anymore the only thing they're developing is being acclimated to the wwe style inside the ring you know, they already have the promo skills. They already know where to stand and when to stand. Like, you know, they already know what to say on the mic, uh, in the ring, outside of the ring. 
So yeah, I definitely think included with you know signing all these talents was a shift. Maybe they were already shifting, but at least for me, I was definitely like, wow, NXT is definitely not developmental anymore. Yeah, and like I said, Austin Aries was there uh, by yeah. 2016, so it was like it already made that it started to make that turn, and it's full fledged that way now, obviously, because they're on TV every week live for two hours. But you look at like I'm kind of thinking back like to 2016, even late 2015. If you were to like had a crystal ball and could look into the future and look at WWE's roster just on paper now you'd be like yo WWE is the best wrestling promotion of all like it is it couldn't possibly be more lit you look at it on paper we got oh my god they got Kevin Owens they got Shinsuke Nakamura they got AJ Styles they got Ricochet they got Samoa Joe they got Tommy and Adam Cole Red Dragon Roderick Strong oh my god God, like they got everybody you could ever think of. And yet WWE still trash sometimes. All the talent they have on that roster. They have Ronda Rousey. Like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> like they got all of these people. And there's more. And I'm missing off the top of my head right now. Well, people who are on WWE's payroll on those three shows. We're all smacked on the NXT. They got John Morrison back. Yeah. What? They got all they got him. They got all these people, and yet you're still like, this show is so bad. You can't get invested anymore. It, it's like Daniel Bryan's wrestling again. Like, what? Uh, that's yeah, that's huge. Matt Riddle, like Bray Wyatt, be, being in the position he's in, you would think, oh, he definitely deserves that. But now you got people that are just tired of it. Now it's like wrestling fans are never happy. Like. You know, they, you do what they want you to do but, too late, and then they kind of just lose interest with it. And they gotta, they gotta execute too. Like, oh, absolutely. You shouldn't have it's a bad not show. Just the fans fault. Yeah. You shouldn't have a bad show when you got La Sombra, Andrade. You got War Machine. You got, like I said, Adam Cole. You got all this talent. I, I Bobby Lashley's like, a great talent. Even people like Angel Garza, I, like who, I didn't even know who that guy was. Just a year ago, but now he's he's really good. You got all these people. Rusev's great. Bobby Lashley's great. I mean, yeah, they got Bobby Lashley back. They got it, Eric. It, it, they're in a bad angle, but they're they're over as hell right now. You know, it's what they were sorely lacking from creative months ago. And give credit to whoever is. I, I know the angle is not everyone's cup of tea, and I get it. But the the crowd's reacting to Rusev and Lana and Bobby Lashley, so. I mean, they're getting that, and it's really where it goes from here to kind of, you know, they have to sustain it. But they, they can get people over. It's just that WWE doesn't want them to get bigger than WWE, which is their – once they get rid of that philosophy, and hopefully they do soon, uh, maybe – well, things – if they don't get rid of that philosophy, nothing's going to change. But you got to think about it. They got Akira Tozawa. Oh, my God. They got – Uha Nation, Apollo Crews. They got, man, they got everybody. And they literally got everybody. Like I said, Bobby Lashley. I'm just looking through the roster right now. They got Tony Nese. They got Cedric Alexander. Like, they got all the guys. They got all the best wrestlers. (laughs) All the great wrestlers. Hell, they even got Punishment Martinez, Damian Priest. Uh 
Like they got all the good wrestlers. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Matt Riddle, Keith who's Black. great. Yeah. EC3. <laughs> all these guys who are so talented, who are so, who, like I said, they got, uh, I forget Swerve Scott's name on the Indies. Um, man. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Strickland, Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland, that's what it was, yeah. They got Shane These Strickland. freaking name changes really annoy me, too. Like, let them use their indie names, damn it. No, no, <laughs> Makes it easier for us. Nothing wrong with Shane Strickland. Johnny Gargano, Tommaso, like all these people. And it's like, they got Chris Hero. I'm just looking through all these people they have. <laughs> and yet the show, they got Kushida. <laughs> and Alex Shelley's back. What? They got Kushida from New Jersey. Jackson Stryker, man. They got Mark Andrews, Mandrews. They got all the four horse women. Walter. Walter. They got all the four horse women, including Rousey. They got Mike Bennett. Mickey James. Still? Is he he's not uh, released he's yet? Contract. Oh, wow. Bro, the roster is so stacked. That's the overall point. The roster stacked to the gills. They got Ray Mysterio back. Holy hell. Oh, yeah. Bobby Roode. We got about Bobby Roode. Mm. Stacked to the gills, and yet y'all show still trash on a weekly basis. It's inexcusable at this point. Shelton Benjamin. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, SmackDown's been terrible. Like, he, he was... I think he was like... Oh, well, he was on Raw. Uh, I, for some reason, I always picture him with SmackDown because of when he started. But... Um, I know he's on Raw now, but SmackDown's been terrible on Fox. You know, it's it's the same old crap. Nothing's changed. And I was hoping, at least on Fox, it would be a different type of presentation, the way the original brand split was meant in 2002, where the two shows actually felt different, and they don't right now. And, you know, that I'm not saying that's the reason why they're trash, but you need to make your two shows feel different. I don't know. That's just my opinion. You have NXT on USA, but like I'm talking about Raw SmackDown. You know, you need to make your two money makers different. So oh, that's yeah. my rant for the <laughs> my small rant. It's just so weird that that you know you look back to 2016 when AJ Styles first debuted. You look at all the talent they've accumulated since then, and it's still like, man, WWE is still a tough watch. It shouldn't be, but it is. Uh, you got any other moments here before we wrap it up from the Royal Rumble? Uh, let's see. We, I, I really enjoyed 2005. I still, I. Oh you could, yeah. You could have Vince McMahon tell me to my face that ending was unplanned, that they weren't supposed to go out at the same time. I will not believe it. I think that ending was completely planned the entire time. The way Vince McMahon came out, like slamming the thing, slamming his jacket down. I think it was all an act, and he got in the ring, tore his quads, and I, I <laughs> it was just hilarious, by just the way. Just sitting down. And I think that ending kind of made both John Cena and Batista, because they would both go on to WrestleMania that year and win you know, their respective world titles and catapult them into you know, superstardom in WWE. And those were really the last two huge stars WWE created. That's 15 years ago. I mean, 15 years ago. I would throw the shield in there. But not as mainstream as Batista and John Cena, no. Yeah, I think like that's kind of 
when I when I I'm thinking about The Rock. I'm thinking about right. I, not necessarily Austin, but you know because he wasn't as mainstream as The Rock. But then yeah, obviously Batista, uh, John Cena, in the same vein as Austin. They were kind of to me. I put them kind of like even just based on mainstream. Uh, Batista is a little higher, and The Rock's obviously the highest. It's like they don't want that anymore. They they want to limit the people they have under contract so they don't get bigger. And I'm like, but then you're handcuffing yourself for making more money. I don't understand that, and I never will. Uh, you could have the most the smartest business people tell me why that what WWE is doing is a good idea, and I will not buy it. So the 2005 Rumble, the end of that, I think you you made Batista, and it was great because the storyline with Triple H all the way through um, from New Year's Revolution uh, to the Rumble to trying to convince Batista to go to SmackDown and when the and beat JBL there, like that whole thing was great. It was pro wrestling 101. And, you know, John Cena got his chance and won. Uh, he was the lesser of the star at that point. And at some point they just, once they switched brands, you know, that's when Cena went to the tippy top and Batista was like right below him on SmackDown. But, you know, that, that kind of stands out to me as being one of the, the better uh, story type beginnings for both of their careers. So that uh, moment stands out to me. You talk about stacked rosters, or you talk about how stacked the roster is now. 2005, they had Guerrero, Benoit, uh, Hardcore Holly, Hurricane, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Shelton Benjamin, Booker T, Chris Jericho, uh, Scotty Tuhati, Charlie Haas, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Hell Viscera, John Cena. Undertaker wasn't in the match. Oh, you're just saying, friend. Like, just like the names is in this match: Batista, yeah. Ric Flair, Kane, Christian. Like <sighs> ridiculous stuff, ridiculous stuff from that roster back then. Last up, uh, no, not last up, but well, lastly, uh, the exchange between Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker in the 2007 Royal Rumble, where they finish it out. That was incredible stuff, and it served almost like a sort of a prelude. A, uh, like a preview to their match at WrestleMania a couple years later, but that was big stuff in 2007. Undertaker, who that was his first and only Royal Rumble win. Crazy to think about it; he's only won it once. Uh, but yeah, back then uh, they had a like just a, an amazing mini match at the end of the Royal Rumble, and it ended with the Undertaker coming out on top and going to WrestleMania, not main eventing, <laughs> <laughs> beating Batista in the middle yeah. of the show. Shawn Michaels, the guy who lost the match. Actually, did close the show at WrestleMania. How stupid was that? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't supposed to because Triple H got hurt and slid in Shawn Michaels, but that was just bizarre. He lost and he still got the chance to main event. Yeah. Made no sense. What yeah, that you, know what's, you know what's funny, by but, the way, just to piggyback off that? We're so used to, by that point in 2007, the Rumble building new stars. And the last two in the 2007 Rumble were The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. So. When that happened, I, w- I was really confused at the time. I'm watching it live, and I'm like, "Why do any of these? Why do these two need the quote unquote rub?" You know, I was I was big on the rub back then. I was like, you know, I need I wanted more uh, new new stars. You're a big rub guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah big rub guy. Blood, new blood, man. And uh, but then, like they had, like you said, you described it. This mini match 
at the end of the rumble where that they were probably at least 10 minutes, right. Or give or take a few. A... I mean, they were there for a long time. I think that's the only time it happened. I don't remember having two people in that long of a window being the last two. And, you know, eventually, uh, Shawn Michaels and eliminated, but thinking that, you know, that was actually pretty awesome. We've never seen that before. And, you know, I was all into it. And I, I remember the next day, it was one of the first times since the brand split where the undertaker appeared on, I think every TV show, he appeared on raw at the end of raw for uh, their champion. I guess it was John Cena at the time. Yeah. And it's like, wow, is he going to face John Cena at WrestleMania? It was, it might've been the first time they said, was it the first time they said they you can pick whatever up? title? I think so. Yeah. So then he went on to ECW Tuesday night. Yeah. And then he was on SmackDown. So that was cool. I enjoyed that. So good, good call on that. They made it seem like he had a shot in hell at picking Bobby Lashley for the ECW title. Like, will he pick? Will he pick Bobby Lashley? Will he want to be the ECW? Get the hell out of here. You know, damn well he's not going to pick the ECW title over the world title, the WWE title. But You're like, oh, my God, like maybe, you know, you're like. If the why would the Undertaker ever appear on ECW? But he did make you make you think that he's going to do, but you know damn well he's not. Right. With that said, Nick, about time to wrap up episode two twenty two. So please take us out with some plugs. My favorite things going down memory lane, man. So hmm. you can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Straight Shooters. And you can catch me at phillyinfluencer.com and hopefully on phillyvoice.com. I haven't been uh, sending them this podcast, but you can tell them that uh, you want to see more of my writing. You know, email them. That'd be cool. Help, help a brother out, man. And you're on the gambler, right? Or did you already say that? No, I did not. Oh. <laughs> okay. Listen to Fox Sports The Gambler. Uh, hopefully we'll have... Uh, some awesome news shortly to divulge. All right. Well, there you go. Check that out on Fox Sports and Gambler. I'm at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if you can't find me on there, of course, you can always find me out here in these streets, which, I mean, it's cold tonight, but it's supposed to warm up this weekend. So I might be out here in these streets. But uh, check out my Twitter, obviously, at Vaughn M. Johnson. I've got some stories up there now. You got to check out from the Eagles website, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I've been out here in these streets writing, beating like. these streets, getting these stories, man. So check them out uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. A couple of pieces I've written in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so they're on my Twitter, at Vaughn M. Johnson again. I've tweeted them or retweeted them, quote tweeted, all that good stuff out there. Uh, so check out the content, please. And I'd appreciate you if you did that. Of course, you can check out our content on a whole multitude of platforms, wherever you can find podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on wherever you find us out here on these interwebs. Of course, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio. We can subscribe to some exclusive content for the nominal fee of $1.99. For Nick McCone, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 222 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch you all again next week. Peace.